Professor Rao, thank you very much indeed for talking to Judge Business School, Women in Leadership, 85 Broads podcast series today. Now, you are the man, it seems, who can make all these women assembled here today happy. I wouldn't go so far as that. The only person that can make you happy is yourself. But what I can do is share some immensely powerful tools and techniques that help grease the skids, if it were. And what would those techniques be? If I was a young MBA business student wanting to pursue a career, could we start with happiness equating with me pursuing the right career in the first place? I think business school students obsess all too much about finding the right job. And their model typically is, if I had this, and this is defined in terms of, here's where I want to work, this is the kind of boss I want to have, this is how much money I want to make, this is how much travel I want to do. And if all of this came together, then I would be passionate about the job. What they don't recognize is that passion does not exist in the job, it exists in themselves. And if they can't ignite it right where they are, they are not going to find it outside. But the funny thing is they can ignite it right where they are, and when they do, they literally transform not only the job but all of their external circumstances. So the way you start manifesting change outside is by bringing it out between their own ears. And that's what I demonstrate in my programs. So that recipe for happiness, that recipe to to get that personal fulfillment, surely it must be about pursuing your goals not the goals that everybody else has given you. Absolutely. But I'd like to add a caveat, and that is that your goal should be on what you become as opposed to what you achieve. Too often we focus on goals, and those goals depend on, well, I want to become CEO, or I want to make so much money, or this is the kind of house I want, or this is the kind of spouse I would like to have, things like that. And... I would say that it's much better for you to focus on this is the kind of person I want to become. And all of the rest of that stuff, that outside stuff, is a byproduct. And for the kind of audiences I have, most of them will achieve it effortlessly anyway. And it will be far more satisfying when it comes into your life without even having to give thought to it because it's a byproduct of becoming who you want to become as opposed to striving to get something. And there were a few little techniques to become that person you want to become, whether it's a businessman or woman or, or whatever. But one of those, let's go through three of them. You said create a matrix, a mental chatter of your thoughts. What does that mean? Uh, not create a matrix of mental chatter, but recognize that your mental chatter has trapped you in a matrix. And you don't have to be trapped in that matrix because that is a construct. And once you recognize that the world you're living in is a construct, it's very liberating because you can deconstruct the parts of it that are not working and build it up again. And if it doesn't work a second time, then you simply turn it down and build it up again. So you have an infinite number of degrees of freedom. Whereas if you're stuck in the reality, then that's the end. Grin and bear it. But what you're living in is a reality. And that's so- wonderful. So it's the prisoner who doesn't know he's in a prison until he opens the door. Tries to open the door. Exactly correct. Uh, Let's go through a second point now. You said mental models. Uh, And and thinking through your career in terms of mental models, that can be a useful analytical tool in your career. 
Oh, it's a tremendously useful analytical tool. When you recognize that what you're a prisoner of is a, re a reality that you have constructed using your mental models, that gives you enough uh, positive energy to go and say, okay, let me look at which of my models are not serving me well. And you can change them. And as you change them, your life changes. And you talked of us living thirdly in a me-centric universe. You know, it's, it's all about me and Correct. what we do. So, so is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, it's neither. When you live predominantly in a me-centered universe and the me you're focusing in is a small me, you know, I want more, more power, more money, better-looking spouse, bigger house, better car, uh, then you are simply laying yourself open to angst, depression, rejection, all of the things that make life terrible. But the moment you start, step out of that and become a part of a cause which is bigger than you are, then even if you're living in a me-centered universe, you're not living in the small me, you're living in a bigger collective me. What is it that I can do to make our condition better? And that is a first step towards living the kind of life I described earlier where you truly feel fulfilled and blessed. And you say that when people go on your program, they clearly undergo change. But, but the one intriguing thing you said, as someone who always tries to diet or, or exercise more and draws up those New Year's lists that you say don't draw up, you said that, that you know, um, behavioral change doesn't come about because of effort of the will. No, I didn't say it doesn't come about by effort of will. I said it's very difficult to bring it, out, bring it about by effort of will. And when you do, there are generally side effects that you would rather not uh, have happen. And so join a group, join a team, get out? Uh, all of those things are helpful, but it's much better to change your mental models, the ones which lead you into the kind of behavior that you want to change. And when you do that, all of a sudden you find that you no longer have to try to change your behavior. The change happens automatically. You also have to think about your outcomes, don't you? You have to think strategically sure. about where you want to be on the field yes. before you set out. Sure. And, 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 but not everybody's capable of strategic thought, are they? Uh, I think the vast majority of people, certainly the kind of persons in the forums I talk to, are fully capable of that. And yes, you do have to think about strategic outcomes and you do gear your actions to achieve those strategic outcomes. What I'm advocating is that you don't hit your well-being to the achievement of a particular outcome. If you can, wonderful. If you don't, still wonderful. So that way it doesn't matter. You can't win. They're winning or losing doesn't matter. Every, you know, the journey is all there is and every day is a blast. So life is, life is just a beautiful, you know, it's a joy. You told the story of the child falling over yeah. and not having to need analysis because they'd failed, but he yeah. gets up the 18-month-old child exactly. and tries again. But, but actually, in business school jargon, they call that falling forward, don't they? Yeah. That actually failure is good for you. Absolutely. Yes, they do. And what I advocate is don't even label it a failure. Just say, hey, this is an outcome that I didn't want, so it's a new ground zero. What do I do from here? And if there's an obstacle in front of you and think of terms of do I go through it, over it, under it, round it, and you just do it without missing a beat. How can your theories, your program, help MBA business students as they set out, one, drawing up their CV, two, going into a job market when we're in a recession? Would it give you more positive thought? Would it make you more resilient? Oh, absolutely. I have any number of students who've had dramatic uh, improvement in their interviewing uh, record. I've had students go from 
receiving practically 100% rejection to 100% callback. That's an extreme situation. But I've had numbers of students greatly improving their interviewing record, uh, getting more job offers, doing far better in the jobs after they've uh, uh, joined the companies. I've had any number of students say that uh, relationships with uh, colleagues improved, with dysfunctional bosses became uh, somewhat tolerable, all kinds of stories. And, and so I, I believe, you know, are you ready to succeed? You're a happiness guru. Is that a question perhaps some people aren't ready to <laughs> succeed? Is that true? Uh, yes, that is true. Uh, that's one of the reasons I have an application program, process for my program. You can't decide you want to take it. You have to apply and be accepted. And if you're not willing to jump through hoops just for the opportunity of being able to consider the kind of topics that I bring up, then odds are it wouldn't do much for you anyway. So, And just finally, uh, Professor Rowe, some tips for our MBA business students and their careers and their CVs. Be honest, be dishonest, get angry with the right people. You know, that's a, a, a tip that Kevin Roberts, a CEO globally of Saatchi and Saatchi, gave. You know, he showed the rugby field and people warming up with um, violent expressions on their faces. Sometimes anger is good for us. Uh, there's nothing wrong with anger. Anger is a powerful emotion and you can use it. The problem isn't with anger. The problem is with not letting it go. Uh, say, for example, you have a child that is gurgling happily, feeding on the bottle, and you take the bottle away. And all of a sudden, you see his face become red, and he screams, and there is absolutely no doubt that he is angry, very angry. But then you give him the bottle back, and in two seconds, he's happily gurgling away. He's let the anger go. Our problem is not that we get angry, but that we hold on to the anger. We don't let it go. You are indeed a brave uh, Professor Rowe because you've uh, turned up at this conference entitled 85 Broads. Uh, I don't think there's been an, another woman, with a man with you, these women here to, today. But is there anything about your program, anything about your advice that is specific to business women? Yeah, women tend to beat up on themselves a lot more than men do. And uh, they always want to be perfect in everything that they set their hands to. And sometimes this leads them to n not trying to do some things because they know they're not going to be perfect. And I think that's sad. Because where they should be is where the men are, which is we're going to give it a shot, and if it works, fine. If it doesn't work, still fine. We'll carry on. Men are much more resilient in that fashion. They don't have that absolute drive, and they don't kick themselves up for uh, not doing stuff around the house. Or you know, look look at a, a man. Typically, if there are dirty dishes in the sink, there are dirty dishes in the sink. But it doesn't cause him a subliminal upset, which it might for a woman. So really sort of fall forward and, and don't take failure as failure. Look don't at the success, experiment, you know, just get out there. Yeah, don't even define it as a failure. Just go out and do it, and, you know, literally as, uh, uh, as I said, follow your bliss. And you right. will fo follow your bliss. I think women will like that one. Oh, follow yes. your bliss and a tip for getting there. Uh, see what it is that makes you come alive and put in some time where, which you reserve for yourself, where you will do stuff simply because you, you like it and makes you, know, make, makes you come alive. Set up time for that, whatever it is. And that is the last thing that you jettison 
put that in your calendar. It's a movable and schedule the rest of your life around it. Professor Rowe, thank you very much indeed for talking to Judge Business School Women in Leadership 85 Broads podcast series today. <laughs> thank you very much. I've spoken before 85 Broads multiple times and I've had a blast every time. So thank you for having me.